0: Welcome. This talk was recorded at Insight LA in Long Beach. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at insightla.org. So, welcome, everybody. And I want to emphasize welcome today. Like, like we're all, everyone is welcome in this space. Doesn't matter our religious beliefs, race, religion, uh, sexual preference, we're all welcome here. And we want to reiterate that Inside LA is a place of refuge. Um, It's very inclusive, it's all inclusive. And it's not something that is just here in this room, but it's something that we provide as a group in our community, like as we move away from this space, we hold that, and we share that. <clears throat> so everybody welcome <laughs> and with what is happening recently, um, we had a teacher development training it was once a month we the teachers go up to Inside LA, we all come together. And we had a very beautiful meeting yesterday. Um, Jack Cornfield was there, kind of helping us um, move through these times in a balanced way. Where was it again? I'm sorry? Where was it again? It's up at Inside LA oh, in yes. Santa Monica. Yeah. And just reiterating the importance of, of Right communication, which is our kind of topic for today, right speech. Especially in the Sangha and the teachers were talking about how different situations have been coming up when we're sitting in a group and people on different sides of the political spectrum are now here in the same room, in the same space and coming with the same common goal of, of love and appreciation, yet maybe having a different understanding of how to get there and how are we coming together and holding that together how are we communicating and it's a very sensitive time it's very very difficult and it's also very difficult to on one hand move within and communicate with ourselves on a deeper level where we where we maintain we can maintain that sense of of peace and equanimity. So there's this deep place within us all that transcends even body and form. And remembering to touch upon that space and hold that space. At the same time, not ignoring in any way whatever emotions are on the surface and honoring those, and also acting, and not being complacent, and moving in. You know, I remember sitting with Lama Suradas, and he says, you know, we cannot rest on our enlightenment. You know, just sit there and be like, oh, enlightened self, yay! <laughs> you know. And at the same talk, he said, you know, we're done with self-help. He said, "That's a thing of the past. You know, we need community help. We need help repairing, you know, racism. We need help feeding people. We need, right? So this is we're done with self-help. Yet that doesn't mean that we forget who we are. Right? We cannot forget that, and we must move from that place." At inside LA we have a lot of different groups we have a lot of different meeting groups and we hope that more come down here but you know up there they have a people of color group they have a lgbt group they have a mindfulness for aging we have a white and awake group for studying <laughs> yeah it's necessary it's white and awake It's for studying white privilege very deeply right And the whole system that we're all a part of, we're all in a system of of racism, right? So really looking deeply into that. And so we're coming together in these different groups, and yet we're doing so that we could be in a comfortable surrounding, yet recognize the universal nature of being human. So even though we're studying in these different types, we're, we're not doing so out of being more separate. We're doing so that we could see our collective, what we have in common collectively. And I think that's part of you know, what I wanna chat about today with this communication. And this term that I saw recently, Obama spoke about tribalism. And I'll kind of to you what he said. He said, "We're going to have to guard against a rise in a crude sort of nationalism or ethnic identity or tribalism that is built around an us and them that is built around us and them." And I will never apologize for saying that the future of humanity and the future of the world is going to be defined by what we, by what we have in common, as opposed to things that separate us and ultimately lead us into conflict. And I see so even in even in different the, the political parties that have we have we share common goals and and whatnot. I see more and more division, even in those like sub beliefs and sub tribes, if you will. One thing that comes to mind here recently is the safety pin. How many people do we know of wearing a safety pin for for support? So if you wear a safety pin, it means that I'm an ally for people that may have been uh, divided, right? So if you see racism or genderism, anything, you're standing up for that, say, I'm an ally. Mm -hmm. And so I believe it's fairly big in the UK. And so people were saying that we could bring this here And then there was also articles that came out and said, you know, these are just white people trying to make themselves feel better, um, uh, which I believe was like a quote, like really just trying to make yourself feel better. Don't wear that, you know. Wear. I was reading this one article. She said, you know, wear a Black Lives Matter. Sure, that would be better than you know, like a safety pin. And so we have a lot of these different. Things, and they're all correct in their own way, right? And yet, how do we come together in, in support of one another and stop continually to divide ourselves? And it really comes to this idea of, of communicating and try not to, have, not to be understood, but to understand. And I think we've spent a long time communicating in a way that we want to be understood instead of communicating in a way that we want to understand. And I felt like this week I was a little bit worried that we're all going into Thanksgiving <laughs> like, and I think many of us are gonna go meet with family. And I'm hearing a lot of stories of like, I'm gonna go into a situation where I know that they don't think like I do. And I think I, I hit upon this this last time that little by little we have created our own little bubbles whether it be our, our social media bubbles we have a bubble here being in in a very diverse city and we have stopped communicating like in facebook like just defriending people like oh man you know like they don't think like I do and then we're preaching about like what is absolutely wrong and we're preaching to the choir you know there's like nobody on the other side listening to that and they're preaching their stuff and we're blocking them and saying hey i don't want to hear it i don't want to hear about your pain and your suffering or your beliefs or anything i want you to understand me yet We never meet. Where are we going to meet? Where are we going to connect? Where are we going to understand? And how are we going to present each other? Like How are we going to present our beliefs? And I think this is incredibly important. If we can present them in a way that's coming from a place of holistic... Compassion for the benefit of all beings. Reaching into our Bodhisattva vow to attain enlightenment for the benefit of all beings, but really want to connect and heal ourselves and other beings. That we want to heal their suffering like we want to heal our suffering. And coming from that place, like how could I heal your suffering too? That's something I think resonates. This tribalism is very primal. I'm gonna read something from an article. Um, David Ropike, and it's how tribalism overrules reason and makes risky times more dangerous. And this wasn't written, this was written I think over a year ago. But quite interesting. As irrational as genocide and science denial and immorality may be, it makes absolute sense that tribalism can produce such behaviors. We are social animals. We have evolved to depend on our tribes, literally, for our safety and survival. As Jane Howard, biographer and anthropologist, of Margaret Mead put it, call it a clan, call it a network, call it a tribe, call it a family. Whatever you call it, whoever you are, you need one. You may not be aware of the conscious level of influence tribalism has on us, but then most of human cognition happens below the radar of consciousness and is driven not so much by the goal of getting good grades or winning Nobel Prizes as it is first to survive. Small wonder that this ultimate imperative Dominates so much of how we behave, how we think and act, and how we treat each other. And it's hardly surprising that the more unsettled and uncertain we feel, and less we feel unsettled and uncertain we feel, and less we feel we have control over how things are going, feelings that make us feel threatened, the more we circle the wagons and fiercely fight for tribal success, looking to the tribe to keep us safe. So the more unsettled that, we feel the more we want to move into our tribe, into the people that we feel are family, right? Because this this feels safe, this feels protected. And so we could really see that and we see what what people do for the sake of family, right? And we've seen this with gangs for, for so long, like it's a family, right? People are coming together, and yes, they come together in hate against something else, yet there's a bond that is created in that. And we see how there's there's little way to move into cohesiveness in this, how do we become a community again? There was a teacher talking to me yesterday, and she just had this thought after the election, I'm just gonna invite people over my house. And and I'm just gonna like come together. Like so she just, you know, threw a get together. And she really thought everyone on her block thought like she did. <laughs> 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 and she was just so blown away. And she's like, they didn't. They didn't think just like I did. And there was like seven out of ten that did it. Mm-hmm. And it was quite interesting. Mm-hmm. Yet they, they came together and it was okay, and you know they worked it out, uh, and that's the thing, is that this is what's arising. This is what is here to look at. Look at, you know, we have trained our whole life for this moment. This is it, right? Whatever, whatever practice you have, or maybe you've meditated for a little bit or a long time, or whatever spiritual belief, anything. It's all, we've practiced our whole life for this. Are we gonna act from love and wisdom? Are we gonna act from from anger and separation? That's it. We look at the leaders that have done this in the past. We look at Gandhi who led one of the biggest uh, revolutions in human history and look at his overriding motivation right, it was this peacefulness, right? And so this communication that I'm very loosely talking about, <laughs> mm-hmm. I notice, it's more of like intention. It's just like this communication is that what is the flavor in which we're, we're speaking from and this internal dialogue too, like how are we communicating with ourself? Are we communicating with ourself like fearful Fear? Is this what we're communicating? Like we should be in fear? This is very important. And this is why the meditation is so helpful to to move into a place beyond fear. And even the really deep, deep sense of non-self. Like we cannot die. Like when we're in, you know, maybe more enlightened states, it's a little out there, but whatnot. but feeling that sense of that we're beyond body. We say my body, who owns the body? My thoughts, who owns the thoughts? My emotions, who owns the emotions? We spend so much time in the known, we forget the knower. We don't marinate in the knower. Who knows? We just spend so much time in the known. And moving into that place is so solid, right? So firm, and it's so fearless. Right? Like the Zen masters. And the, the samurai comes to kill the Zen master, and the Zen master is very calm, and he says, you know, I, I'm, I'm a nomad. i would just kill you. You know, I'm the type of person that would just kill you. And the Zen master says, I'm the type of person that can be killed. <laughs> without an issue. That's who you're meeting. Like, no problem. Because <laughs> he wanted this fear, right? And so as we have this internal dialogue, are we... Are we running that internal dialogue through this ultimate truth of togetherness, of oneness, that we're not different, we've been you know, programmed differently or whatever it might be, right? Like we're not our thoughts and emotions and neither are they, right? And to rest in that place is very important. And Out of that place, ferociously act. And if we look at the revolution of, of Tibet, they didn't all just sit peacefully and just march out of Tibet, High Lama stayed and took up arms and fought, right? With the Bodhisattva vow to protect what's good, they fought, like tooth and nail fought, right? And upholding this, right? At the same time, holding this intense compassion for their captors at the same time. So, I'm going to talk just to briefly just kind of go over what many of you know about, there's a few tenets, if you will, of, of right speech as we move into the holidays. <laughs> and see, see if we can just be delicate. Be delicate and sensitive during this time with ourselves and others. So the first piece is that is our speech well intended? Does it come from goodwill, not ill will? Is it constructive? Is it aimed to build up and not tear down? And I think this is very, very hard like, to come into a place of like, good will. Like this is for the betterment of the situation, right? Like before we speak, this is, I really want good to come out of this. I don't wanna be just proven right right cuz we have an option there we could be right or we could be free we have to make that decision before we speak <laughs> like i'm i'm looking f- to be free and to free others too right not just to be right to understand not just to be understood right the two way street is what i'm saying true is that not overstated, taken out of context, or blown up out of proportion? <laughs> <laughs> Republicans are always like that, or like Democrats are always like that. Um, you libtard. That's what I've seen recently. <laughs> like, um, you know, this, this, this always, you know, we call it going universal, like when people just like, you're always like that in relationships. You know, we know that we're getting our our emotions are getting a hold of us in relationships. When you say you always do that, that means that we've gone out of context. You know, we're just kind of like universal going. You know, so making things bigger than what they are is it true? Right, staying with what's real. Next, is it beneficial? Is this close to? Is it well-intended? Is it helping things get better, not worse? Even if it takes a while. And I think that this doesn't mean that it's going to be like only speaking if it's easy. We're not saying that. Really the opposite of that. When we hold our our, our vow, it's to stand up when it's very uncomfortable. And yet, if we could do that with the intention of we're doing this for things to get better, maybe it's not going to be better right now but in the long run so even if it takes a while we're doing and we're saying what is right right doing and saying what is right and we're doing it with right intention is it timely not driven by impulse it rests on a foundation that creates a good chance of it being truly heard right picking your timing is really important especially like we all of this is, you know, relationship-based, right? If somebody's really pissed off, it's probably not the best play, time to be like, hey, and you know what? This too, you know? Like, <laughs> it's just like, all right, I'm already angry, you know, thanks a lot. Um, so, you know, this is, white, right speech is also called wise speech, so use your wisdom mind. Like, when, when am I going to, when's this gonna be of best benefit? Not harsh. It could be firm, pointed, or intense. It can confront mistreatment or injustice. Anger can be acknowledged, but it is not inflammatory, dismissive, disdainful, or snarky. That's a weird word. Snarky. (laughs) So, how we deliver it, I mean, this is so important, right? It's not what is said, but it's how we say it. So we say it in a loving way, we say it in a kind way. Really, again, it goes back to that that intention first. Is it dipped into our heart mind first, like our heart wisdom first? Then as it's delivered, it's delivered with that energetic, pack. it's like a package, right? Our words come with an energetic, uh, something attached to it, yeah? Mm-hmm. We, we meet it all, we meet it like with our spirit bodies, our subtle bodies, we meet it with our physical bodies, you ever met a word with your physical body, you could feel it tense up, right, right? and you could feel love too, you know, does someone say, you know, I love you, you know, and then someone says, I, I love you, right, it's, you could really feel it coming from the heart, right, so we know that if it's dipped in that place, it's going to land much differently, and like that Viktor Frankl quote I read last time, it's that when we meet, you know, even like a Nazi concentration camp survivor talking about his captors and saying that if we meet somebody with love, it triggers something very deep within them, a known place within them, and they could see their own love arise. You know, so anything, say so we're going to shoot an arrow, we dip it in loving kindness, shoot it then with good intentions, yeah. So it's not harsh. And so I'm going to read something from Adi Shante where he talks about being understood or understand. There are and this is his response to um, what's happening politically. There are important political and cultural issues at stake here to be sure and we all have a stake in the outcome. Which is why so many people are so fearful and angry. It's as if 50% of the population cannot possibly understand or even care to understand the other 50%. And human decency and sanity have gotten lost amid the angst. Sadly, (coughs) we have stopped truly communicating the process. I've watched this growing in our culture for over the last 25 years and is now boiled over. As a populace we have stopped seeking to understand one another and have sought instead only to be understood or in many cases insisted upon being agreed with. We have failed to take care of one another, to love, cherish, and understand one another. You have just listened to a recording from Insight LA in Long Beach. For more information, please visit us at InsightLA.org.